0: Hello and welcome to the Settlement Podcast. I'm Sam Wilkin. I've got a great one for you this time. I'm speaking to George Weber, who is Deputy Head of the Greenside Primary School. I won't tell you where it is. You'll have to guess. Uh, it's kind of amazing. Um, they have basically created a regenerative school. A school where all the learning is viewed through the lens of food and farming and sustainability. I think it's an incredibly inspiring story. Clearly lots of other people do too because they're being supplied food from places like Natura, Hobmadod, Neil's Yard Dairy. I think it's a really brilliant story. I think George is someone who is on a mission uh, to do some real change, real positive change. I hope you enjoy listening to her on the Seliman podcast.
1: I'm a teacher. I'm the deputy head of Greenside Primary. Uh, and we have a very a, a learning model here, which is very much e- experiential based. So we really believe in big experiences that can ignite enthusiasm and ignite inspiration for learning, because we believe that the kids are going to be more like likely to remember something that has that is attached to an experience so that they're learning, and will be deeper and more uh, more useful to them if it's attached to something in which they've been inspired by. So we ha- we ha- we've been operating this model for a few years now. We use nature and food as an integral part of that. The food that we offered at lunchtime was from the local authority catering contract. And we just saw that the lunch hour was not of the standard or quality that we would expect in the classroom. So we thought it was time to do something about that. So six years ago, we decided to get rid of the contract and take the catering in-house. And we we didn't really have any idea of what we were doing or how to do it, but we knew it was the right thing to do. Because why should that lunch hour be treated differently? Why should the quality of the food, the quality of the experience be less than what you would expect to get in a maths lesson, for example? So we took control of that. And through sort of trial and error, we began to see the power of food as a learning tool.
0: It's such a powerful lens, isn't it, food? I mean, I think it's that commonality. We all eat. It's kind of this this framework that everyone can get on board. I mean, it's what I find speaking to people like yourself in lots of different spheres is that actually food is this amazing lens through which you can talk about almost anything.
1: We've used food and then nature and learning about the environment as as learning tools. And we use them as a, as, as a lens to teach the other aspects of the national curriculum. So we, we, we had this kitchen, we had our own kitchen and we knew the food that we were making there was so much better because we had ultimate control over the menu the ingredients that we were putting in where we were sourcing those ingredients we started, we realized that actually we had we were in a really powerful position to be able to offer something really excellent to our students so we we had the kitchen we had a, a growing garden where we were growing vegetables Bit hit and miss at the beginning really figuring it out on our own and we could see that when kids were out in the garden in the veg growing area that it had an immediate effect immediate impact on mood on well-being on self-regulation and we just saw that that was a really really powerful thing and it worked. We, used, we began to use it for uh, children who, were happy, who had special needs, who had behavioural problems. They calmed down. They were much more engaged. And so we thought, OK, that really works. Growing veg really works. The kitchen really works. So let's kind of thread those things together under like and put them into our school philosophy. So now we need to make it work within our curriculum. So then we've been able to kind of infiltrate and subvert the national curriculum. It's not just of a, an additional buy-in it's part of everything that we do therefore it has power
0: it's probably worth clarifying in fact where you are because the way you're talking you're describing you know growing and being outside and you know listeners might be picturing primary school out in the rolling countryside of the Cotswolds or somewhere like that where, where are you
1: we are in the heart of Shepherd's Bush London so we are in a concrete jungle but we are fortunate that we have a little bit of growing space. We've got a bit of a garden. And you know, like I mentioned earlier about how we've been growing vegetables for a few years now and using that into the kitchen for our lunches. But over the summer, I was thinking, like, we need to do something more. We need to act now because our kids are brilliant at knowing already about switching off the lights, plastic in the ocean. They know about... Um, not using a reusable water bottle. They know all those things, but they're ready for the next step of climate learning. And the curriculum doesn't provide for that. And I thought, okay, we've got this garden space. We've got this amazing opportunity. And then I read From Dirt to Soil by Gabe Brown. And I read For the Love of Soil by Nicole Masters. And I kind of had a like eureka moment where I thought that is what we need to do. So from that came the idea of treating our garden as a science project so again it's like linking what we've got what we want to do and linking it to the national curriculum so we decided to treat our garden as a regenerative farm and see if we could regenerate the soil using like using the principles of regenerative agriculture so I think we're proving that size is no object it's about how you think that's important because you wouldn't think, people wouldn't think that Shepherd's Bush would be a place where there'd be a regenerative farm. I use the word farm loosely. I mean, it really isn't a farm, but we have um, devised a series of science experiments based on regenerative methods. So each class takes responsibility for the garden area per half term. So all our students are doing it. We baselined our soil to find out what the condition and quality of it was in September. And then we are doing things to improve that along the year. So our kids go out and test for legume nodules. They test for um, how the, um, they do a slake test to see how the soil holds together in water. They do infiltration tests, looking at worms. So we're doing proper regenerative experiments as it were and we've normalized that language so talking about nitrogen fixing and carbon sequestering and knowing why that's important is something that we've normalized within what we do.
0: You're the driving force behind this how how easily uh, replicated if you like is this model or is it down to your kind of
1: The context is everything, and I I think we um, it works because we've infiltrated and subverted the curriculum with it. So, like the soil project, it it works because it is taught alongside what exists in the national curriculum units of science about plants. So, for example, you know we don't it's not extra learning; it's just different learning. So we tag that onto the curriculum there. We're currently learning all our geography through the lens of sustainable farming and fashion. So we've taken five products. We've looked at wheat, corn, rice, beef and bananas. And we've looked at the geographical um the geographical locations where these things originated from, where they're grown. We look at the climate for how they grow. So we've ticked all the national curriculum boxes for geography through that. Then we're extending that by looking at the problems of industrial monocropping, for example. What's the problem if the world eating only one variety of bananas? And what happens if something happens to that banana? We're looking at how cows are not necessarily the enemy of climate change. And so you've got kids here at the moment drawing pictures that say it's the how not the cow. So all of that we've been able to teach through geography and we've got a bakery now. So we've got a micro bakery. So that was the perfect vehicle for teaching wheat about wheat and we've planted a wheat field again in the heart of Shepherd's Bush where you wouldn't expect to find wheat growing but we've done that to make a talking point. And it's on the street. It's not even in our little secluded garden. It's, on, it's right on the street, so everybody who walks past can see.
0: And it's their community interest. I get very excited about this, but I'm often aware that I live in this kind of bubble where I speak to people who are excited by this kind of thing. Was there any kind of uh, trepidation or mistrust from maybe out, you know, parents or other members of staff, or has it all been kind of smooth sailing?
1: At the very, very beginning, when we made the change to our own food, our own kitchen, there there was a a slight undercurrent of what are you doing a bit like the Jamie Oliver backlash uh, uh, from the turkey twizzlers gate back all those years ago Uh, but it, it was predominantly from a lack of understanding of what we were trying to do in terms of we are trying to do something good we're not trying to change things for the worst we're trying to make something better and I think Community has been absolutely the key to the success because we invited parents in to eat with us. We've invited parents in to cook with us. Our kitchen is staffed by wonderful team from the parent community. So everyone in the kitchen is invested in it. Um, yeah, having parents in to actually cook lunch was a real eye-opener for a lot of people to see what is actually involved in doing that and actually how great an opportunity it is you've got there. So we've got a t- team of parent volunteers that come in and help look after the, the, the garden. We've got teachers here who have really all our staff do it because that's, it only works if everyone does it and everyone believes in it. And I think that people are able to eat the food here, they know it's great, but then the science learning, the learning about regenerative farming, the learning about how we need to transform the food system and we're in a perfect position to do that has been a real eye-opener for a lot of our staff, in a really good and positive way. Because this is like we have hoped to make change in the students' lives. We're also making changes with all our adults as well.
0: Where did this all come from? You know, you weren't brought up on a regenerative farm because, you know, none of us were in the UK because they didn't exist when we were growing up. Or
1: any kind of farm, for that matter.
0: So what's drawn you to it?
1: Well, I've always been interested in food. And I think that the more that I've done it, the more I've been driven to find out more. Because it, it was absolutely the right thing to do. Because w- when we first started the kitchen, we it was a bit of a trial and error phase for getting the right person to cook for us. So we had a cook, but quite soon that didn't work out. So then I had to do it. I cooked the school lunch every day for three weeks. And really that then was the best thing that could have happened because it really showed me that you could actually use this as a learning tool because the only way I could cook and teach was to teach the class in the kitchen. So my class would come down to the hall we'd open the hatch, I'd be chopping something, and then I'd be teaching them something. And I thought, whoa, 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 let's just do, why don't we do it all at the same time? Let's make the learning the cooking, let's make the cooking the learning. One table was making crumble, one was making the salad, one was measuring out how much rice you need to feed 200 people. Uh, I had them doing the orders, and it just showed you what is possible, showed me what was possible. And I think I have just enjoyed that journey so much, and seeing what a difference it makes on kids' school experience when they can be part of something like that. So it's like, why would you not want to make it better? <laughs> and then you know, obviously we're all worried about climate change. I mean, and I was getting to the point where I thought you, you could drive yourself crazy trying to fix everything and worrying about how are we going to fix this or how are we going to fix that? Mm-hmm. And I, I came to a point of realization where I thought I can't fix everything, but I can fix one thing. And that is what I'm going to work on. I'm going to invest my energy into, let's make the whole school regenerative, sustainable, knowing about transformational change, knowing that it's okay to eat things that are good for you, that it's better for the planet. And I think it's really important for people to know that they have the right to that kind of information that no matter where you come from or what your circumstances in are in life, you have a right to access information about what is good for you and good for the planet in the long run. So that's where I've decided to invest.
0: Have you had interest from other schools in your area or further away that, that want to kind of replicate what you're doing?
1: Yes, yes, that is beginning to build now. And I'm doing work with other and beginning to have open that conversation with other schools about about it. But I think I'm in a position to be able to do that now, whereas I needed to have gone through all the pain barriers first <laughs> come out the other side to know what works and to know that actually, you know, what we do is really holistic and really comprehensive. It's a, it's a total whole school model. But there are elements of it that other people can do. You know, it can be bit by bit. It can be you know we just want to do something different in our garden or we want to do something different with food i mean it would be great if everyone did what we did it would be amazing but you know there's no money schools are always up against the budget problems so having a buy-in is something that's quite difficult for schools to do so if if a package was done and given a price tag then most schools wouldn't be in a position to be able to do that. So it, it sort of it it has to be sort of transactional change within the school itself. It has it requires a different way of thinking.
0: I suppose this is the thing that you I come up against. I'm so I'm from a cheese background, and the question that I'm always asked is, well, why is it so expensive? Why is this small scale, sustainably produced, quality product so much more expensive than this fact? You know, that's the conversation. I'm assuming that the, the local contractor is cheaper than what you're doing, but that's purely in financial terms. The value is a completely different combination. How do you address that conversation?
1: In order to pay for what we do, we have to have everyone have it, have the lunch in terms of the lunch. So we we have no packed lunches here. We didn't do it straight away. We phased it out bit by bit, so it wasn't a real shock horror moment for everybody but we needed to work hard to prove that our offer was better so if we're going to make everyone have it it has to be the top of its game all the time so that is one pressure but then um it we don't there's no additional funding for school lunches outside of what the revenue you you get from people paying for their lunch so we charge currently two pounds twenty a head for our lunch then in addition to that, there's the £2.33 that you get from the government for the universal free school meals for the people who are on in reception in year one and year two. And then there's people with around the rest of the school who are on the free school meal premium. So out of that, we have to pay for everything. We have to pay the kitchen staff, we have to pay for the food, and we have to pay for up, upkeep of any equipment that we have. So it's we're not in this to make money. We're in this to keep our head just above the water
0: well and it's we're not talking about financial profit we're talking about value you know this is massive value nutritional but also uh, yeah i suppose psychological as well what
1: it does allow us to do is it allows us to be to make connections with suppliers who believe in the same thing as we do so we've we've had tremendous success with partnering with natura because they really believe in the same things as we do. And they're able to offer a discount to schools uh, on certain products. And that has been huge. That's great because they want to be able to be part of it. And we want to be a part of them. And actually, I think this is where our two worlds collide, where the world of education and the world of outside education are colliding really nicely because we are able to now connect with these outside Agencies like Wild Farm, like Natura, uh, like Neil's Yard, for example, like Hodma Dodds, to be able to then see what we can do together to to be able to use these products in our schools. So, um, listen, we're always on a budget, a really tight budget, but it's amazing what you can do. It is amazing what you can do. And, you know, you might have a jack of potato one day, which is really, really good value for money, which allows you to put burrata on the cheese board the following week.
0: So hang on, sorry, sorry, I've got to stop you there. You're having burrata on a cheese board and a primary school lunch. You've got a cheese board?
1: Yeah, we have a cheese board.
0: That's amazing.
1: We have a three-week rotating menu and the cheese board is our most popular pudding by far. So on the cheese board, we get... They get our homemade bread. So we make a focaccia and we make a sourdough. So they get the homemade bread and then they get a selection of cheeses based on, you know, whatever we can get. A really popular one was smoked burrata. Uh, We've had all different cheddars. We've had Parmesan, chunks of Parmesan. We've had brie. Uh, Sheep ricotta was surprisingly popular. Wow.
0: I mean, the the education their palate is getting, if nothing else, like these kids are going to be like super tasters. But there's also this idea as well that food and farming are viable career choices. I know that seems like a long way off and all that. But me, me growing up, food and farming just wasn't, it just wasn't even on my radar. Dear that these children are being shown that there is such value and enjoyment in being part of this world.
1: Exactly, exactly that. So we have what we call world-ready skills. So we we really put a lot of emphasis on our kids being world-ready. So that's being organized, uh, being resilient, uh, being reflective, um, using these kind of skills that are going to help you, not just in a career, but in life in general. And I think it absolutely has opened eyes to what is available next for them you know it doesn't have to just be like you said that is like what well, you can be a regenerative farmer just because you're in a shepherd's bush doesn't mean that you can't aspire to that and i think for us what has been especially powerful has been for our kids to be able to like facetime tim williams in his farm in the field with the dogs and the cows and seeing actually one kid put it really well They said they're doing the same as we are I said, yeah they are and that's a massive farm. And they say, Oh, that's really cool, miss. And yeah, it is, you know, that yeah. for them to see that actually what they're doing in school is being done by other people, that was like mind blowing. Isn't that great?
0: Thanks for listening to the Seliman Podcast. That was George Webber of Greenside Primary School. Give her a follow. Uh, It's an educated lunch on Instagram, an educated lunch on Instagram. Always posting interesting things about what they're up to at Greenside. Um, Again, as I said at the beginning, I think a really inspiring story. I think she's an amazing person doing something really, really awesome. Um, I can't wait to visit and be inspired. See you next time for the Seliman Podcast. The Seliman Podcast is a Seliman Makes production. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, go to at Seliman Sam on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks for listening.